few weeks ago, the auction house Christie's reached out to our colleague Kelly Crow and asked her to cover the sale of a piece of digital art from a little-known artist called Beeple. And what was your initial reaction? I asked, what's the estimate? And they said, unknown. I said, what's this guy's history? (laughs) Who shows him? No, he doesn't have a gallery. We're starting the bidding at $100. It's going to be huge. And I said, I think I'll pass. So I regret that decision. (laughs) Kelly regrets that decision because last week, Beeple's piece sold for a lot more than $100. Christie's auction for digital artist Beeple, uh, whose real name is uh, Mike Winkleman, uh, coming to a close a few moments ago. Uh, The final bid, David, $69 million. Oh, my gosh. That set a record for the most expensive piece of digital art ever sold. And it made Beeple one of the most valuable artists in the world. Beeple is a fascinating outsider character for the art world to get to know. We're all trying to very quickly figure out who he is. He had no auction history, no gallery. His best work had been for Louis Vuitton and the Super Bowl. Those kinds of pedigrees don't track in my world, or they didn't, right, until this whole thing blew up. Welcome to The Journal, our show about money, business, and power. I'm Kate Leinbaugh. It's Tuesday, March 16th. Coming up on the show, a $69 million JPEG, an artist called Beeple, and the technology that led to a record-setting sale. This episode is brought to you by Indeed. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash journal. Terms and conditions apply. All right. Can you, first of all, what should I call you? Beeple or Mike? Mike is fine or Beeple. Probably Beeple, I guess. But you could also just call me Mike. I don't care. Why do you go by Beeple? Oh, um, so it's this toy from the 80s. This is a Beeple. You have one there. Yeah, this is this is a Beeple. It's just kind of a designer name, especially because my last name is so long and dorky. It's kind of, that's part of the reason. Winkleman? <laughs> it just rolls off the tongue. I mean, what are you talking about? It's just so natural. Who would you say are your artistic inspirations? My artistic inspirations, I would say, are, that's a good question. I mean, there's a lot of people who I'm inspired by, but, like, right now I'm inspired by a lot of, like, really gross, like, nasty, weird, like, art that's, like, I didn't even... I saw a lot of the people I didn't even know who made it. It's just, like, pictures I see online. But, like, classical artists or contemporary... No, definitely not classical artists. Um, Definitely not classical artists. Definitely not contemporary artists, to be quite honest. I actually don't even know most contemporary artists. So, 
And and that's to me is very like an interesting piece of this is the digital art world and the contemporary art world have been so separate sort of during this time that it's like like they don't know anything about like digital artists and like digital artists don't know anything about contemporary artists for the most part. And over the years of your work, did you get much interest from galleries or museums? Nope, zero. That's what I'm saying. They're totally separate. For the past few weeks, our colleague Kelly Crow, who's better versed in the world of contemporary artists, has been catching up on Beeple. How would you describe Beeple's personality? <laughs> a fatherly demeanor mixed with the mouth of a sailor. I don't know how else to say it. He's a dude. I mean, he's just a dude. So he, you know, curses a lot. He has no problems being really upfront. He's also very collegial. He's 39. Born in Wisconsin, still has a very thick accent, which I find endearing, has lately moved to Charleston, South Carolina, studied computer science in college, but really just only in the last 15 years really began to play with like Cinema 4D and some of the software that's more commonly used by video game designers and people who do 3D models for things. And he's not at all the kind of slick, stylized persona that you might see coming out of you know, MFA programs or at art parties that we used to attend where people kind of craft their own sophisticated persona. He is very genuine. Coming out of college, Beeple worked as a web designer and steadily built up a successful career. He's worked for big labels like Louis Vuitton and musical artists like Katy Perry. But all the while, he was making digital art that Kelly describes as surreal, sometimes overly sexualized, and often political. He has all of the snark and wry, testosterone-fueled, almost sophomoric sense of right how the world is and how it should be run. Um, and then he also has this sort of surreal aspect of these lunar landscapes and these cyborgs and these lactating Michael Jacksons. Like, he creates this whole fantasy scape, which if you've ever watched a kid play Assassin's Creed, like, it is a big rabbit hole that you can fall down visually, these, these uh, games. And they've gotten a lot better since when I was playing Nintendo. In 2007, Beeple began working on a series that would come to be known as Everydays and would end up earning him millions of dollars. So about 13 years ago, he decided to set out a goal for himself to make a new drawing every day. Every single day, like the day he got married, the day his kid was born, he has two kids. You know, he's doing a drawing every day or doing something on his computer. And so for the years, he's just was posting these images of things that he, you know, had done online. So I think he just kind of began to build a following. Beeple had more than a million followers on Instagram, but was still very much relegated to the digital art realm. But then he heard about something that would change that. Something called an NFT, or a non-fungible token. So for those of us who are not so familiar with the NFTs. Can you tell us what is an NFT? An NFT works the same way that a deed to your house does, right? Or a sales receipt. When you go and buy anything, you want some tangible proof that you are the owner, whether it's coming from the bank or the waitress or the shop that you're going for. You want some proof of purchase that you are the owner of this. You don't want someone chasing you down the street later and saying you shoplifted it or that you have a knockoff. You want some proof that it's the legit thing. What happens with NFTs is that a unique token is created for an item, like a JPEG. And when that JPEG is bought or sold, the transaction is recorded via blockchain, which is essentially a big, super secure digital spreadsheet. 
It's the same method used for cryptocurrency transactions. And because it's recorded in this digital ledger, it's kind of proof to the world that you own that and that anyone else who makes a copy can't profit from it. So in this case, everybody can see it because it's a digital image, it's a file. But that person can say, only I own it. Everyone else can look at it, but only I own it. NFTs aren't just used in the art world. They're taking off in fashion and music and sports, too, where in some cases they're traded like digital baseball cards. But for digital artists like Beeple, NFTs presented a solution to a real problem they'd faced for years. They weren't really being able to merchandise their own work, right? Like it really wasn't collectible because as soon as you save a JPEG and you take a screenshot of it on your phone, like everyone knows you can just text that to someone else and then they have a copy of the same image file. NFTs solved this by offering digital artists a way to distinguish an original from a copy. Do you remember when you first heard about NFTs? Yes, I do. It was not that long ago, so I I very much remember. Uh, So people kept sort of hitting me up and like, oh, you got to look at NFTs, you got to look at NFTs. And when I did, in mid-October of last year, it was like, oh my God, what the hell? Like, this is crazy. Like, what is going on? Like, there's just some insane, like, possibilities here. And like, this has the potential to be huge. I did not think it would be this huge. I definitely did not think it would be this huge. Just how huge it would get? That's after the break. This episode is brought to you by ServiceNow, the AI platform for business transformation. AI is only as powerful as the platform it's built into. Enter ServiceNow. It puts AI to work for people, for employees, for developers, and even your customers. Removing frustration and supercharging productivity. On our intelligent platform, AI isn't just a promise. It's happening today. That's why the world works with ServiceNow. Tap the banner to learn more or visit servicenow.com AI for people. This episode is brought to you by Vonage. With Vonage Video API, your developers can easily create custom video experiences tailored to your business. Enhance every conversation with live video, whether it's delivering faster tech support, improving customer service, or enabling interactive meetings and events. Unlock the true video potential of your business. Discover how at Vonage.com. This past October, Beeple tried out selling his art with an NFT for the first time. And he sold two digitally certified pieces, each for $66,666.66. Altogether, I made like about $130,000 from that drop, which at the time it was just like, oh my God, this is insane. Like, this is crazy. This was like a massive, massive success. Like, that was like, oh my God, this is great. So then in December, I did another drop, and these were with the everydays, in which I auctioned off about 20 everydays. I had a few open editions that were on sale for like five minutes. Um, and so all together, all that sold about $3.5 million, which was, again, just like, oh, my God, like, this is another level of insanity. Like, this is absolutely insane. Like, $3.5 million, this is crazy. Those initial sales eventually caught the eye of the famous auction house Christie's. And earlier this year, Christie's struck a deal to auction off a major piece of Beeple's work. 
And after so many years of being kind of compartmentalized outside of the traditional art world, what was your reaction to their interest? I was, you know, super, super stoked and super, super honored. And I knew this would bring a lot of validation. And and I knew that this like had the potential, which I think it is, is to be the start of, of sort of the next chapter of art history, digital art. Christie's wasn't putting up just any piece of Beeple's. It was putting up a collage of those images he'd been posting every day for more than 13 years. The piece is called Every Days, the first 5,000 days. And the 15-day online auction started on February 25th. After initially passing on the story, Kelly Crow sat down at her computer to see how it went. You know, I'm going to sit and let me just see how it does. If we are going to track the bidding online and it's a 15-day sale, I'll be able to tell really quickly, you know, if I'm eating humble pie. And I I was dishing it out pretty quickly. When did you realize you were wrong? When the Beeple piece passed $3 million, I realized I needed to uh, call my editor and uh, we needed to get a handle on this story really quickly. And so then you started following along. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, I just kept the, I kept the page up on my browser. I would be doing things, checking emails throughout the day, I mean, for the next coming days and just checking and clicking it and be like, man, it's still going up. It's still going up. And, and then I'd started hearing some chatter of, oh, they think it's going to go for 50 million. And I was like, those crazy people, it's not going to go for 50 million. But um, I think I underestimated, like a lot of people, just how much money has been made on the cryptocurrency markets. And honestly, just how full the prices are in the stock market. So art has always been a store of value. It's always been seen as another good way to store some cash. When stocks evaporate and when companies crumble, there's always been this hunch that you could just take the Picasso off the wall, roll it up and go. So on the one hand, I was noticing that the price was going up And while I was bewildered by it, I was also like, oh, that kind of starts to make sense if you just begin to dig into what's happening in the real world, which is that there wasn't a lot of value to ring out in other markets, right? And so, and yeah, art as ever has always been a really good alternative. Last Thursday morning, as the auction neared its end, people went on the live streaming app Clubhouse. So the sale was set to close at 10. So at nine o'clock, the artist himself and a bunch of his buddies went on Clubhouse just to sort of sit and talk and and reminisce and watch the closing minutes of the sale. Hey, Scott, we got Scott here. Yes. Wow. My hey, dude, all... thank you for coming. So there was two film crews at my house and I was on a Clubhouse with like 2,000 other people. So this wasn't exactly some like private moment where I'm just sitting at my computer like... What happened? Like, it was quite public, actually. He was fielding really fun questions in a game way. Like, he was, you know, some people were going online and saying, you know, has Larry Gagosian reached out to you? He's a major dealer. Has uh, Larry Gagosian hit you up yet and asked you to join his gallery? (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Um, no comment. You know, are you getting calls, you know, from MoMA? And he was just gamely just fielding all of them. And so you just kind of, you kind of felt like you were in a room, you know, watching him, watching his life change and watching potentially a whole new media sort of, you know, I don't know. It almost felt like a, watching a baby be born. <laughs> 50 million! 50 million! Yo! 50 million! 50 million. <laughs> as soon as the thing hit, I mean, all of the guys on the app were just screaming and hollering. You thought a touchdown had happened, like in the Super Bowl. It was really a bullion and fun. 60. 60. Like 60. Hey, yo, Mike, can I get a loan? 
When it was over, Every Days sold for $69.3 million, making Beeple the third most expensive living artist. Then to see it just go to this just absurd number, it was just... Like, I, I still feel like I'm, the reason I'm not freaking out more is that I'm just completely in shock still and have not processed this. And it's just kind of like, okay, cool. This is, this is normal. I don't know. It's just so bizarre. And so like, just like, what the, it's crazy. And I think it also sort of speaks to the excitement around NFTs to, you know, if we're being honest, like this is, you know, I think partially my work, but it's also partially a lot of just excitement around NFTs, to be quite honest, is baked into that 70 million. After the sale closed, Kelly wanted to know who had shelled out that $70 million for Beeple's NFT. So she got on the phone with them. The latest twist in this really fun saga is that a cryptocurrency investor from Singapore, who goes by a nickname, because we're going to add some mystery here, uh, he goes by a nickname Metacovan, M-E-T-A-K-O-V-A-N, Metacovan, bought it. Apparently, he's been pretty well-known in cryptocurrency circles for some time. He runs a crypto-based investment fund called Metapurse. So we have Metacovan and Metapurse. And so I jumped on the phone with him and his sidekick, who goes by also the nickname of Tubador, like T-W-O. And we talked, me with my real name, them with their nicknames. And they basically said they had to get this work. They've been collecting NFTs for the last few years. They're determined to amass one of the largest collections of NFTs. So anything that has this token wrapped around it that's a visual thing, they seem to want. Why do people see value in owning something that's easily accessible online to everyone? I think that would be the big question to ask. I think that's the big question that we need to be asking everyone involved in it, and certainly the question that I'll be asking other folks in the days ahead. I mean, our need to own something is, you know, we probably wanted to own the cave that the paintings are in, right? So we've always wanted to sort of claim ownership of things. Would you say that this is like a different slice of the art world? Like the people who are buying Van Goghs aren't the people who are buying Beeples? For sure. Yeah, right now the people buying Van Goghs are not buying Beeples, but... The people buying people are pretty darn sure that the Van Gogh guys are going to come around. And I think the Van Gogh guys are like, meh, we'll see. Convince us. Is there sort of a parallel to the Wall Street Bets GameStop situation that this is like the crypto world taking on this elite art world with all of its gatekeepers and museums? Yeah, I think that metaphor could totally apply because you have this community of young, wealthy people who don't want to abide by the rules that other people have set for them and are determined to tell the world what matters to them and what things they value. And younger collectors are voting with their wallets and they don't really care if he's not in MoMA. They really don't. So art has always been a way that people have chest thumped and announced themselves in the world. I mean, the Americans used to go over to Europe on these grand tours and mop up everything and all the old little churches and cathedrals in Europe because they wanted to come back home, right, and tell the whole world that they had made it, that they were wealthy. I mean, this is the formation of all of our best museums from the Met to the Frick on down were Americans going over trying to buy these things that could tell the world that they had arrived. And I think in the same way, that we saw with GameStop and now we're seeing with Beeple. There's a community of people who have made us so much money in recent years and they want to show it off and they want to tell the world. And if buying a piece of digital art does that, then they're going to go for it. 
As for Beeple, he says he's going to use this windfall to take on more ambitious and complex projects. Are you hoping that a gallery or a museum comes calling? I am very much hoping that a museum comes calling, and I would very much welcome that. I think getting this stuff into museums, I think they are still, you know, cultural institutions that provide a lot of sort of legitimacy. You know, I'm trying to create a bridge between these worlds. I'm not trying to, like, blow up the other world. I think it still has a lot of value in a lot of things. I think I'm just trying to bring this new type of artwork and be like, hey, this has value too. So I think you're going to see digital artists think about physical art more. And I think you're going to see physical artists think about how they can make their work more digital and, and sort of participate in these NFTs. And so I think you're really going to see both of them sort of come to the middle on this. So the night the auction closed, you posted this thing on Instagram, which is a pixelated Mona Lisa with a gold frame around it. What message were you trying to send? I'm just trying to send the message that I really do view this as the the beginning of digital art, the next sort of chapter of art. I'm no expert. You know, my art history degree started about three weeks ago. Um, And so I'm not going to try and, you know, oversell my art history qualifications here. I only really started learning about this stuff quite recently. But, you know, I I really do view this as the next sort of chapter. And I think you're going to see a renaissance in in people sort of looking at art, creating new art that's very digital. And so I'm just super excited for that and very honored to be in this position. That's all for today, Tuesday, March 16th. The Journal is a co-production of Gimlet and The Wall Street Journal. Additional reporting for this episode by Caitlin Ostroff. Thanks for listening. See you tomorrow.